0: The San Francisco Dons made a run into the NCAA tournament last season, and while their coach Todd Golden is out the door to Florida, this team will be a big-time player in the WCC once again next season. Joining me today is new assistant coach and former Gonzaga point guard Kyle Bankhead to talk all about the Dons, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Your team, every day.
0: What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. I am thrilled to be joined today by USF assistant coach Kyle Bankhead. Kyle played under Mark Few in the early days from 2000 to 2004. He's been in the coaching ranks ever since with stops at San Diego, Sunrise Christian, UNC Greensboro, Abilene Christian last year, now back in the WCC. It's a mouthful just to get through all those schools. Kyle, thank you so much for jumping on the show and congratulations on the new gig. Uh, thanks man. thanks for having me on uh yeah it's been a lot of moving pieces lately.
1: It's been a whirlwind, but happy to be back on the west coast
0: yeah and and back at a really exciting kind of up and coming program, you know I think uh I remember when Kyle Smith left San Francisco a few years ago, there was some concern like, oh, this program, are they going to kind of fall back down? Are they going to, you know, are they going to maintain their momentum? Todd Golden came in and not only maintained that momentum, but elevated the program to their first NCAA tournament game in over 20 years. Uh, Now, of course, Golden's over at Florida. I'm curious. I know you haven't been down there for too long, coach, but I'm curious kind of what your impressions have been with uh, new coach, Chris Gerlson down there uh, in the Bay.
1: Well, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's mm-hmm. obviously been a whirlwind. I've literally been out here for about two and a half weeks now yeah. with uh, still waiting on some furniture. But uh, sure. being, around, being around these guys has been amazing. Uh, we, we call him CG, but Coach Gurlison is mm-hmm. a very, very good dude. Uh, I think he genuinely cares about the people that are around him. And that's, for more than anything, that's what drew me to this job, just the fact that Type of person he is, and the type of people he wants around him. So uh, it's been great. The staff's been awesome. Our players actually just got back on campus, and we had our first workout on Monday. Mm -hmm. So it's it's an exciting time, and I've enjoyed being around all the players. Obviously, I'm still building relationships with them, but it's been a great great few days, and yeah, a lot of work to be done, but everything has been phenomenal so far.
0: Yeah, you know, looking at the the team here, obviously, I think that the names that that. People will remember from this USF squad are, are out the door. Jamari Bouye, obviously, extraordinarily talented kid. Uh Yuhan Misalski had a phenomenal year last year for, for the Dons. Uh, but it feels like this team's kind of reloading. They've added some other key pieces uh, via the portal and uh, have some younger guys who I think are going to step up. Are there uh h- how are you feeling? Again, I know you just got there, but how are you kind of feeling about this group of guys heading into next season?
1: Well, I, I think the greatest thing with college basketball is you, you're always going to lose pieces. You know, yeah. it's, it's- – something that is a part of the college game you're always going to see guys graduate and then the next year you got to have other guys step up it, it's mm-hmm. an opportunity for you guys and things have changed uh, it, it used to be recruiting high school kids and junior college mm-hmm. kids going that route and the transfer portal has, has changed a lot in college basketball and mm-hmm. you know as I have not been a part of it here at USF but yeah. we uh, we took four transfers this year and mm-hmm. I think going to be impact guys and we're really excited about the opportunity they have um but it'll be it'll take some time you know i think the positive with the transfer portals you can stay old but now you have to integrate guys pretty quickly and that's what the summer's for and the fall's for and then hopefully they got a pretty good feel for each other by time they they hit the floor in the fall
0: you, one of the biggest pieces that kind of was on the fence, it seemed like for a while, was uh, Khalil Shabazz, of course, a Washington native, really talented kid. Uh, he'd entered the portal. There was some talk about whether he was going to come back or not, obviously made the decision to return. Uh, huge piece, it seems like, for USF next year. Uh, again, uh, do you expect him to have uh, have a really big season this upcoming year for the Dons?
1: Well, I sure hope so. Uh, yeah. You know, I think that's why he came back. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, Bouye got a lot of the... A lot of the press last year and rightfully yeah. so and hopefully hopefully he'll be hearing his name get drawn here in a couple yeah. couple of weeks or whatever it is and uh but I, I think i think khalil found himself with an opportunity to come back and be the uh, the obvious leader of this team and hopefully have a great year and kind of you know the guy that the, the torch has been handed to so mm-hmm. i you know he, he went into the portal and i wasn't really a part of his process sure but I think with the relationships he had here at USF, the opportunity he had to keep this thing going and, and really be given the ball um, is what kept him here. So I'm really excited. He's, he's a phenomenal kid. He's an unbelievable worker, and he's a great leader. So th- there's a lot of excitement around him, and I think the pieces that are around him are going to be very helpful as well. So hopefully he has a big year, man. I'm excited for him. He's a phenomenal kid, so I want yeah. it for him as well.
0: Yeah, you know, you look at some of those pieces that we're talking about uh, outside of Shabazz, of course. Jordan Rish, Rishwain, excuse me, is a name that I think a lot of Zags fans will remember. Josh Coonan had a couple really big games against the Zags as well. Um, are there some other names uh, that maybe Zags fans aren't as familiar with? Guys that we're expecting could could step up and, and uh, kind of make their mark at USF in the coming seasons.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of kids. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's a group here that they're going to be they're going to be competing for playing time. Uh, yeah. You look. at a lot of people are probably going to look at the transfers, and you got Ty mm-hmm. Roberts uh Washington State. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Tony Rocheck, who came from UC San Diego, put up big numbers. Uh, yeah. Saba, I'm not going to pronounce his last name, from Georgia Tech, <laughs> who, had, who had a good year. And, yeah. uh, you know, Marcus Williams, who was a double-digit scorer in the SEC. So you look at those kids, and they're, they're going to be putting – themselves in position to play most likely that they're talented kids and then you have like Isaiah, Isaiah Hawthorne might be not a not be a familiar name to most people but mm-hmm. he's a talented kid you got Zane Meeks who was maybe a little bit of a limited role last year who could step into some serious playing time and then you know then you got the the guys that have played a lot you got Julian and you got Khalil mm-hmm. that have been productive and Josh Coonan's been productive and it's there's There's a lot of guys, you know, we, we had our team meeting and one of the things we talked about in our team meeting was you you look down the line and it's a bunch of good players. It's not a, it's it's not something where we're in a position where we got to worry about talent at the six Mm -hmm. and seven. We have a lot of guys that can can play a lot of minutes and and be very successful. But uh, I think this summer, it's going to be really important that we get all these guys to mesh with the, with the new faces with the old faces, with some guys that have played a lot of minutes and some guys that have had some backup roles that are now going to be in more prom- prominent situations. So it, it's, it's going to be an important summer for us and maybe a little bit less on the basketball floor and more mm-hmm. of just getting to know each other and making sure everybody's kind of moving in the same direction when it comes to focusing on winning games.
0: What's well, it's going to be another great year for San Francisco. I'm, I'm feeling real good about what the Dons are going to do. We're going to come back in the second segment, Kyle and I here, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Gonzaga. We're going to talk a little bit about Mark Few uh, and some of the coaches that, that Kyle's been around in his career. Uh, before we get there, though, I want to tell you all about today's sponsor, Built Bar. Summer is coming. And with the summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everybody has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both. Have you tried the Built Puffs yet? We are going crazy for the Puffs. They come in crazy flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro? And they're only 140 calories. Sign me up. If that's not enough flavor for you, then you might want to try the Mixed Box. The Mixed Box comes with flavors like flavors of bars and puffs. Most built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Go to built.com to get all your favorites. Banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. They're all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. Check them out at Bilt.com. In fact, go to built.com now and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. That's promo code locked15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, segment two, so many patents still locked on Zags, still here chatting. Coach Kyle Bankhead. And Kyle, I think it's reasonable to say that you have just about as much familiarity with Coach Mark Few as Pretty much anybody in the industry, uh, you've played for him, you've coached against him when you were at San Diego. Now, of course, you're set to coach against him again here at San Francisco. Uh, one of the main things that I, I really wanted to talk to you about is just the evolution of Coach Few. It's It's been 22 years that he's been at the helm here. Obviously, Gonzaga has been an incredibly consistent program year in and year out, has really taken the leap in the last six or seven years or so. Uh, as somebody who's seen him quite a bit over that time period, I'm curious just kind of what you have seen from him as the evolution of the program and then just him as a coach in general.
1: Well, I, I think really the evolution is, the, in my opinion, is, is mm-hmm. getting better better players. I think yeah. Coach Few's always had an unbelievable feel for giving guys a simple plan and allowing them to be successful in that simple yeah. plan. Um, there's no doubt, Coach Few, if, if you want to drop a play to get a bucket, he can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Game plans are tremendous. I think as a player, I realized that. And then mm-hmm. kind of stepped away my first couple of years out of college, I realized that the game plans that the Zags had were were very high level and mm-hmm. very well thought out, and it gave us a chance to win every single night. So uh, I think I'm sure there's been a lot of growth uh, yeah. as well, and the game is always evolving. You know, they, they are really ball screen heavy, but they, they – mm reality they throw the ball in the post as yeah. much as anything in the country and yep. when you talk about the growth of that program and, and the ascension over the last few years to really you know be in a top five team to start every single year it's been the type of kids that they bring into that program I mean you talk mm-hmm. about Jalen Suggs the Chet Holmgren the Drew Timmy's the just guys like that I mean you look at they could they could start five five-star guys on the floor I think next yeah. year if if I do the math right. Um, Yeah. So you talk about that. I I look kind of back at when I was playing and Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could even touch the floor with the guys (laughs) that they're bringing in at at this point, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's changed and and that's to their credit. They will job of continuing to build. There was no, um, you know, pause or, you know, Hey, we're good enough. They he's, Coach Few has pushed the envelope to keep that thing moving in the right direction and continue to build, which is not an easy thing to do, especially when you have teams that are, have been ranked in the top ten and all that. I mean, and yeah. now they're consistently top three in the country, top five in the country, number one in the country to start yeah. the season. So um, that 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 takes a lot of work, uh, It takes a lot of intelligence. You got to push the right buttons. You got to recruit mm-hmm. at a high level, and then I think you also have to have a little luck. You know, yeah. there, there's a lot to it. and got to stay healthy and they've kind of put it all together better than anybody else in the country which has been impressive and I'm sure at some point they're going to make the next the the, the last and final jump and and win that national championship so it'll be um, time will tell when that can happen Uh, Mm -hmm. but I, I have been extremely and thoroughly impressed by the development they've continued to do over these years.
0: Yeah, it's been absolutely remarkable and I got to tell you one thing I was I was doing some research for a question that a, that a listener asked me last week for Mailbag uh, about some of the current or former players who are coaches and I realized that a lot of players who were on the team that some of the teams that you were on in the early 2000s are are coaches now. Uh, you got Stephen Gentry and Brian Michelson, who are both, of course, on Mark Few's staff at Gonzaga. you got Sean Mallon, who is coaching at Ferris High School in Spokane. Uh, And I was wondering if you guys, do you guys have like a group chat? Have you guys ever kind of conversed about the fact that so many of you from those teams kind of went into that that, uh, industry and, and are kind of all doing similar stuff now?
1: Yeah, we don't. We don't have a group chat. And no, you know, the, the one thing about this profession and yeah. that gets lost at times, Obviously, Brian and Stephen mm-hmm. are on the same staff, so they see the, each other on a daily basis. John's up there in Spokane. Um, but the one thing that I, I think a lot of people don't realize when you get into this profession, yes, you you have camaraderie with some of the guys you played with or you mm-hmm. coached with, been around. But like, you're dug in with the guys that are in your office yeah. with you know, and you, you talk with them on a daily basis and you spend time with them on a daily basis and your communication at night is on with your staff. Uh, right. Nightly, So a lot of times I think there, there can be a little bit of a, a lull in communication with, with even some of your closest friends. It's just natural. Sure. You dug in and the season, especially it is a grind and you are, mm-hmm. there's really only one thing that matters. And that's, for me now, that's the University of San Francisco being successful on the basketball floor. So um, communication will be there. Obviously, we see each other on the road recruiting. We always communicate at that point. Sure. Um, I actually texted Gentry this morning just randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, so there will be some co- communication, but I, I don't think it's – there's a lot of times, even your closest friends, that you mm-hmm. – there's a little bit of a disconnect sometimes just because you're so worried and working for your program so much that – Those are the people you communicate
0: with. Absolutely. Uh, And and I was thinking about those those same teams that we were talking about with so many of those players who've gone into the coaching ranks. But that team obviously coached by Mark Few, one of the greatest coaches of the generation. But there was a lot of other really good coaches on that staff. Certainly you worked for a long time with Bill Greer, who took the head coaching job at at San Diego and is now, uh, I believe, still at the University of Colorado as an assistant over there. Uh, Leon Rice, obviously just won Mountain West coach of the year uh, for Boise State. Tommy Lloyd had one of the most successful first seasons as a head coach that I can remember in a really long time. Um, How much did getting the opportunity to work with those coaches, obviously, when you were a player and at least with Bill as an assistant coach, just how much did that kind of help frame your like who you have become as a coach and kind of your philosophies and teachings uh, in that industry?
1: Man, you you learn a lot from every stop. Uh, Yeah. You know, and to be honest, you, every stop I've made, you take things that you would like to do and then you take things that you don't want to do. It's, sure. It's, it's, it's natural. And I think that's what makes you unique as a when you get the head coaching opportunity is mm-hmm. you've got to formulate your own style and your own mm-hmm. thought. Uh, so you take the positives from everybody and you also take the negatives from everybody. So I learned a ton. Um, you know, I think it was really interesting obviously playing at Gonzaga and then working for coach Greer at San Diego. Um, there was a lot of the same formula. So sure. I think I had learned a lot through those years with those guys. Holy smokes. It was seven, <laughs> eight, 15 years, uh, kind mm-hmm. of within that tree. So you learn a lot. And obviously the Gonzaga coaching tree has been extremely successful. Yeah. Um, but I also learned a lot from my other stops. You know, I got, I got a chance to be the head coach of Sunrise Christian Academy's post-grad team, which was an awesome experience. Um, maybe my favorite coaching experience to this day, just the fact I got to be a head coach and yeah, all that. And you learn real quick that you don't know as much as you think, you know, <laughs> uh, even, even at that level. So yeah. I did that. And then obviously I went out to UNCG and uh, mm-hmm. learned a lot from working for coach Miller. And then, uh, my experience at Abilene Christian was a phenomenal one this past year, learning a ton mm-hmm. from Brett Tanner. I mean it, and now I get to learn a little bit more and then hopefully yeah. you know, at some point I'll get a chance to be a head coach again and, and kind of mash it all together and come up with my own own thoughts as being a head coach my and run a program. But you look at the the zags and and I, I mean their formula has been very similar through even through mm-hmm. the time I was there to now but watching what Tommy Lloyd's done with his program and Leon Rice has done with his program. It's, it's been spectacular. And I do, uh, I do follow those teams very close closely.
0: Yeah. You Now you're back in the WCC. Uh, obviously you were uh, there for a long time while at Gonzaga, while at San Diego uh, out, out uh, for a while. Now you're back. Uh, the conference is in a really good spot. I feel like, uh, you know, that last year was one of the most successful seasons, if not the most successful season, top to bottom. Uh, we saw some big rises from programs like the University of Portland. Uh, we saw some other programs. Obviously, San Francisco was a huge one to to make the NCAA tournament for the first time in a while. Uh, I'm guessing that uh, in your few short weeks there, you haven't sat down and done deep dives on every single program uh, in the conference. But I am curious, just kind of getting the chance to be back here and kind of seeing the conference uh, in a different place than it was, you know, even back when you were coaching at San Diego, just kind of what what it feels like to be in a conference that really seems to be on the up right now.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I said, I got, I got here, and I, I immediately got some scheduling stuff dumped on me, and it's it's tough yeah. finding games right now. So we're uh, yeah, still got a lot of that going, a lot of that to work on. But it, you know, I, I've always, always, always followed the West Coast Conference from afar, and it's it's a it is a high high level conference. I think yeah. a lot of people are. Are just now starting to realize that. And the level of coaching in this conference, I think, has really, really yeah. been on the uptick. You know, obviously, you got some people that have been doing it for a long time. You got Steve Lavin back in the league. You got yeah. Herb Sendek over at Santa Clara. Deshante Leggins is yeah. obviously done a great job getting that program moving on on up over at Portland. So it's, then you talk about, you know, you got the Bennett and St. Mary's and Fewer yeah. Gonzaga. Or, Staples us. so that it the coaching in this league is unbelievable. I think the level of player has gone up in mm-hmm. the time between me being in San Diego and coming back to San Francisco. I just think there's just been a level um, that's been elevated and, and mm-hmm. I finally, well, I don't know about finally, but I do think, especially last year and maybe even the year before. People are really starting to realize how good this conference is from afar, yeah. you know, from different sides of the country and different areas of the country, and you know, seeing three teams in the NCAA tournament the same as what the Pac-12 got. I mean, it is, yeah, it is very good, and I, I don't see it going anywhere. I think, I think it's going to continue to rise, and you know, it's right there, right there with yeah. the Power mm-hmm. Five conferences. You know, yeah, so it, it's a very good basketball conference, and I don't see it going anywhere.
0: Yeah, I I think it's going to stay. It certainly seems like it's going to stay pretty relevant for a long time. And we kind of talk about some of the things that have have changed in college basketball recently. Some of those changes may be hopefully helping the WCC. Uh, I think the two most notable changes both happened in the last. Year or two is the, you know, the evolution, the transfer portal. Uh, and then, of course, the the new name, image and likeness rules. I want to start with that real quick and just kind of here as somebody who obviously was a former player and kind of understands what that life is like and then has been uh, in the coaching ranks for a really long time. Just uh, again, it's only been a year. So I'm sure that this stuff is going to continue to change and evolve uh, as we kind of get a better sense of what, what impact it's having, but uh, in your first year kind of being around uh, with the name image likeness laws, I'm kind of curious what impact you have seen it had so far uh, on just the college basketball landscape.
1: Uh, I think it impacts these guys as much as they want it to impact them. I I don't, I think it's really important with the NIL stuff. I think it's great for college basketball. I think it's great Mm -hmm. for these kids to have that opportunity I think it's going to impact different programs in different ways. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing from a coach's standpoint is you don't want that to be a distraction of getting mm-hmm. away from the results that we want um, and obviously the team chemistry that you want. But I think it's great. Uh, I think it's been a long time coming. I think there needs to be some adjustments to it just to, you know, obviously everybody's seen some of the stuff that comes out on Twitter and everybody... Yeah hearing about how much this kid's getting how much that kid's getting and all that stuff and um i think there needs to be some adjustments to it mm-hmm. but i also do think it is very fair that kids are allowed to make money off their name image and likeness you know i think mm-hmm. why can't they have the same opportunities as other people other kids their age because right the as they can you know so yeah. they deserve that opportunity I do think there's some adjustments need to be made to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what those are. I haven't sat down and truly put my thoughts mm-hmm. into it. Not that anybody would listen to me anyway. <laughs> but, uh, I, I I think it's going to be. I'm, I'm very curious to see what direction it goes. Yeah, uh, and just to make sure it is. I don't want to say controlled because these kids should make as yeah. much money as yeah. any other kid their age that they're doing that mm-hmm. stuff. I think it just needs to be adjusted a little bit. So it it, it makes a little bit more sense uh, when it comes to recruiting and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And and for me, I I think too, like the, it happening kind of around the same time as the transfer portal loosening up significantly, uh, which I know started primarily because of COVID-19 and everything that happened with that. But those two changes happening simultaneously really kind of catapulted a lot of, of changes all at once. And, you know, you hear your, your, the Miami story with Nigel Pack and, and like, that doesn't happen without a free transfer portal the way that it is either. So you kind of have this, this mixture of events that cause these situations that are, are very unique throughout the history of of college basketball. I kind of wanted to touch on the transfer portal because obviously student athletes being able to transfer from school to school has, has always existed. That's never, that's not brand new, but being able to do it penalty free without sitting out a year. And now you're seeing teams, you kind of alluded to it earlier, who are, who are building their teams more through the portal as opposed to building through uh, recruiting domestically or in a lot of cases recruiting internationally. And I'm curious, just uh, again, in the very short amount of time that the transfer portal has been uh, more free the way that it has, uh, what kind of impact you've seen that have uh, for programs like Abilene Christian or pr- programs like San Francisco?
1: Yeah. I, th- I think you've seen it go both ways for, uh, mm-hmm. for different programs and um, there are a lot of positives to it, uh, yeah. but there also can be some negatives. Uh, I think uh, I can't, I'm not going to name any programs, but there are programs across yeah. the country that have gone heavy on transfers from the portal. Yeah. And have, you know, they they've It hasn't gone well. There's probably been disruption within the team. Well, you know, yeah. recruiting wise, what are you saying to the recruits? Well, you know, and it's it's one of these things where you bring a bunch of transfers in and trying to get them to mesh can be difficult. So yeah. I don't think you can just look at the grand scheme of college basketball and say, well, everybody that's hitting the transfer portal well, like they're getting great players in their programs mm-hmm. ascending. It's not like that. I think you yeah. have to be very particular with the kids you bring in and ones that are going to mesh with maybe some of the younger guys and roles are going to be – okay they're going to be okay with their roles and all that stuff i i, I think it is fair that kids can do the one-time transfer mm-hmm. no penalty no sit out um i do think they again there's probably an, an adjustment that needs to be made with sure. right now it's been a little bit of the wild wild west it's been yeah guys transferring three times being eligible right away and it's just chaos uh mm-hmm. i do again i think and I, some of it has to do with COVID. i think there's been yeah. a lot to blame on the COVID, COVID sure. stuff but I do think some adjustments need to be made, but uh, again, with the NIL and transfer portal, you need to attack that as a, as a college coach. You need to yeah. attack it. You can't sit around and say, well, it's stupid. They shouldn't be doing this, they shouldn't be doing yeah. that. Those are the rules. You need to attack that. You need to see how it can benefit your program the most. Um, and, and, you know, I haven't been here, but USF's done a tremendous job with that. Um, yeah. Abil- Abilene Christian, we had guys that were freshmen and junior college kids that were brought up through the program so right we weren't, we weren't transfer heavy um so i think you can be successful both ways it's just however you want to go about it you better be particular with a good plan you know you don't want to be a situation where you're trying to bring in freshmen and you have seven young guys on your team and it's hard to win now in college basketball when you're really young so right. you want old but you also got to be really smart about the transfers that you bring in they're able to mesh with the group that you already have here and understand roles and get along with everybody and in reality you know now for me it's it's are these guys going to be willing to come in here and do whatever they can to help usf win basketball games you know so there's multiple ways to look at it there's still multiple ways to do this um, a lot of people are going to transfer portal route but it's not everybody and i right. think a little bit of a misconception there because that's all you hear about on social media. And when mm-hmm. you talk you see shows and stuff on TV, it's, it's transfer portal, this transfer portal, that, but there are still programs that are building with freshmen and, and trying to keep them in their program.
0: And yeah. I mean, you look at, again, transfer portal hasn't been around for that long uh, penalty free, but you look at the two teams that played in the national championship last year, I believe there was basically two transfers total. Uh, that were playing significant minutes. One of them was Brady Manek, who obviously was a huge part of what North Carolina did. And the other one was Remy Martin for Kansas. But it's like those were not teams that were built that way. That doesn't mean that the transfer portal is wrong necessarily. But I think it's it's worth kind of noting that not every team that, you know, and you said you weren't going to name names. I won't either. But there are programs that had six or seven transfers last year that started out the season ranked in the top 15 and did not end the season ranked in the top 15. And so it's not necessarily – Uh, an automatic recipe for success. Um, Kyle, one of the last questions I had for, and you kind of touched on it a little bit right there, but uh, I know you're somebody who's done a fair amount of international recruiting. I know Gonzaga obviously as a program has done a lot of international recruiting, mostly uh, with Tommy Lloyd when he was in the program. But uh, this feels like an area that might be might be seen a little bit less international recruiting because teams can, you know, they can use the portal. They can find ways to find players that aren't necessarily as much of wild cards or are going to take a little bit longer to develop. Uh, is that something you think could be something that's maybe going away a little bit more in college basketball, or is it a situation where you just think some teams are doing it different ways and that's, that's fine.
1: Well, I, I don't. I don't think it's going to go away. I think I think teams and, and there's so many intelligent coaches out there. They're just going to go find the best fits for their program. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whether they think there, there's going to be a couple transfers that fit their program, or they're going they need to go to the international and mm-hmm. and see if you can get a talented international kid. Um, I, I I don't think it's going to go away. I think a lot mm-hmm. of those kids are going to continue to come over, and you just got to do your your homework and you got to go over there and see mm-hmm. if you can. Maybe get a kid that if he was playing a high school game over here, you might might not be able to get Um, right. But you understand watching the international game that he may fit your program and and be the best thing for you instead of a transfer. So I I, I don't think it'll change much. I I think uh, I think people are going to continue to go over there and recruit. And I think people are going to continue in the transfer portal and they're going to continue to try and put their team together, construct it the best way they can for their, their programs to be successful.
0: Absolutely. Kyle, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Uh, I really appreciate it. That's going to wrap us up for the day. Uh, we got one more show coming later this week. Uh, it's going to be a, a bit of a mock draft preview. We're going to look at some of the NBA draft stuff coming down the pipeline for the Zags. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening. I always end it with Go Zags. I'll let Kyle throw out a Go Dons first, if you want. Go Don, (laughs) Don. And then we're also going to say Go Zags.
1: Thanks, Andy.